Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast-growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm Eric Quanstrom, the CMO at Science. And I'm Caroline Maloney. I am the Director of Sales Training and Enablement here at Science. Wow, Carolyn, this is a really interesting one because we've got Double D, David Delaney, who <laughs> is, you know, kind of like about as ingrained in the sales development space as one could possibly be. I mean, not only did he run the sales development teams at places like Glassdoor, Cisco, Infer, Acton, right? Like <laughs> SaaS companies and, and really well-known Valley names to where he's now... President and CEO, and has been for the last half decade plus, of Tenbound, a sales development consultancy. Yeah, Eric, this is one of those episodes where you're just going to want to sit down and open up a notepad. He drops some tangible tips for coaching. So if you're a sales coach or a sales leader and you want to level up your coaching game, this is one for the books. Uh, he also talks a lot about scalable practices. He's no stranger to scaling organizations, you know, especially with regard to sales development. So particularly if you have an interest in best practices when it comes to scaling, this is a great one. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he even got into some of the softer skills uh, discussion where, you know, talked about the deeply ingrained fear of failure that's inherent to the job and, you know, some paths forward or ways to think about it that I thought were inspired. Mm, mm, Absolutely. Well, without further ado, let's get to it. And we're back with David Delaney, maybe one of the most authoritative voices in sales development today. David, you've got like maybe more experience with running sales development teams, consulting to sales development organizations, recommending and building market maps and tools for all sales development, tech stack and service firms. And now you're also running a ton of uh, conferences and events. And I'd I'd love to just kind of start there and and talk a little bit about what the focus areas are and what's exciting about the events series that you put together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I I got into sales development when it was just kind of starting to take off. And I I, literally, this is like 10 years ago, and I thought it, it was the most exciting thing that I had stumbled across, you know, in my business career. And uh, it literally every day I still get up and it's fascinating to me. Um, and and I know I'm probably you and I and a couple other people are probably, you know, the only people that can actually say this, but it, it's just a very, very interesting topic. And it's got so many directions um, that you can go. I think one of the things that's really got me into it was the the way that it's interdimensional within a company so so it's sort of at a crossroads of several different departments and they you know have to be aligned and and working together to really make it make it happen and and you know that was just one of the things that got me into it so yeah i'm still plugging away after 10 years trying to solve this problem and uh we're, we're it's more and more interesting as the days go on that's yeah. cool. I'm going to steal interdimensional, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up. So that's that's a cool word. I, 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 you better look it up to make sure it's a word, but go ahead. <laughs> the author. I mean, why not? Hey, Webster's, move uh, yeah. on over. Interdimensional. Here it is. 
I love it. True. I, I mean, I have been in sales um, and uh, selling sales training. That, that's where, where I first like got into the business world. I was selling sales training for a number of years. And then I, right as I got into the technology industry, predictable revenue came out. And so I was working at a SaaS company predictable revenue comes out. We didn't have an SDR team. And, you know, I, I had very forgiving and supportive bosses who I'm still in touch with. And they basically said, here, start an SDR team and, or, you know, be an SDR, and it, which is, that's how it started. And then we'll see how it goes. You know, they gave me a few months to see if I could generate any appointments and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. And you've been in this industry for so long. I kind of just want to start with this super broad question, which is how has the game changed? Like what, what are some turning points that you look back on and you say, you know, damn, sales development changed because of this. Like this was a turning point, whether that's like technology rollouts, you know, tools, what, what, what are some of those moments that you look back on and reflect, you know, in, in sales development? Yeah, you because know, I, I thought where you were going is how old are you? <laughs> so, <laughs> that that was good. I definitely didn't want to go there. So uh, yes, I've seen uh, you know literally when we started the the team at, at that at the tech company, it was Salesforce.com and spreadsheets and like post-it notes and stuff like that. I mean, and that so the, one of the major mega trends has been. You know, the first of all, realizing the critical nature of sales development and organizations, and then the plethora of tools and technologies and, and services, specialized services that have grown up around the industry. And, you know, we, we put together the, the market map at 10 bound, and it's grown from version one, which was kind of a fun little experiment that we were doing that looks like sort of a placemat of tools and services to now it's this gigantic, ginormous thing that has over 500 companies specifically to serve you know, generating pipeline and, and sales development. So it's that that's been crazy to see. Yeah. And for our listeners, can you can you give us kind of like a uh, visual almost of what this is that you're referring to? Sure. So if you've seen like the MarTech 5000, a lot of marketers are familiar with that. Or um, Nancy Narden put out the sales tech market map. And essentially it's it's if you think of a bunch of logos. CB Insights also puts them out, you know, for different uh, industries. And there's a, a map essentially with quadrants of specialties of different tools and services that help companies achieve sales development success. And they're kind of laid out. So obviously, for sales development, the largest quadrants that we have on the map are outsourced sales development services, if you know of any good ones, and uh, <laughs> data. <laughs> data is sort of the lifeblood of sales development. So there's a huge number of companies. There's one particular company that's eating them as we speak. There's a, there's a huge number of companies. And then also we have um, sales engagement, which really has grown up with the sales development industry. And that one is, 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 has a lot of players involved as well. It must be interesting, and I'll fork this into kind of like your role as CEO of Tenbound, and you know the primary business that you're in is consulting too. 
various companies about how they should run their sales development operations and what tech stack. I, I'd be curious to know. And and if you can't say, then then I get it. And you're Swiss. And but when you go into organizations, are you oftentimes recommending very specific tech stack for them? No, it's a, it's an interesting question. You would think, and and most of the people on the market map think think that that would be the case. What the in practice, really, it's they have their own ideas on technology and services, and they usually choose those according to their experience and the people that they know and the groups that they belong to. And so they have the key technologies and services plugged in. The The biggest issue that we find is adoption and utilization mm-hmm. and making sure that um, you know everything is plugged in correctly, to be honest. That's really where we come in as sort of a third-party observer to 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 get that so sometimes i mean i guess the question the thing is we're we definitely it's not like you have to come and talk to 10 bound before you decide if you're going to get this certain sales engagement platform and you know we're getting to that point where people come to us and ask but but usually they have their own opinions about tools and services and we just help them to get it together yeah i imagine the audit process there is actually its own form of value that you're returning to clients where you can give the perspective of having a market map, having familiarity with a lot of the players on the market, advising even you know strengths and weaknesses. And hey, if you're trying to achieve these goals, maybe it's worth taking a look over here. 100%. I mean, and, and so th- there's a few things. If you think of there's 500 plus tools that you can plug in, the blessing of that is, hey, we can remove a lot of the drudgery and grunt work that we had to do, you know, 10 years ago to drive pipeline. But on the flip side, it's it's like there's kind of a shiny object syndrome where, you know, if I just plug in this this tool or if I just get this one thing, it's going to take us over the, you know, the goal line. And, you know, I wish that that could be the case, but a lot of times it's just, I've got like 10 different tools plugged in and, you know, the, the guy who was in charge just quit and we don't know where the password is. And, you know, it's like, uh, this isn't talking to that. And meanwhile, the pipeline is suffering and um, we just kind of need to get it together at sort of a macro level. So that's what we see a lot. Yeah. And and shifting sort of the, you know, over to the craft side of sales development, you know, having been at the genesis of so many of these methodologies, like right at the very start of so many of these, you know, foundational sales skills, what has stuck with you? Like what what would you say is tried and true and, and steadfast in terms of methods or, you know, tactics or techniques uh, for salespeople on the craft side? Yeah, I mean, I think that the 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 basic building blocks of sales and being good at sales is still where you can go back to. So, you know, as we were talking about the the latest tech or the the thing that you're plugging in is is not going to make up for the fact that 
you don't have a good understanding of customers and the prospects and their pain points and what they're kind of going through, and you can't really walk in their shoes. So the basic building blocks of sales skills, you know, are still important for people doing the SDR job and people running the teams um, really need to focus on making sure that they skill up their team to have those that vocabulary, you know, to be able to to talk to prospects and and put messaging together that really helps. So it's um, you know blocking and tackling is still the where I would recommend starting. You know if if you're trying to increase the performance, you know. And the other thing is that a lot of SDRs they want to move into larger roles and get bigger jobs and and bigger paychecks. And so a great place to start is really having a good understanding of of the industry and the customers and their pain points and and what they're trying to solve so that they can parlay that into bigger steps in their own career uh, as they move up in the organization. Do you find that most of your own engagements like you're coming in and doing that audit on the blocking and tackling that they're currently, you know, <laughs> running the game plan out with? Yeah, exactly. And and that's really how I started, you know, five years ago with Tenbound. I mean, we would come in and do an assessment, like a open up the hood, <laughs> see what's going on. Where where we come in is either a, a CMO or a VP of sales will inherit a program or mm. or the middle manager will leave. And it's suddenly like, what do I do with this? You know, I've never been an SDR before and I've never put together a team like this. And so, you know, first and foremost, as you mentioned, it's okay, let's get an assessment going. Let's see where we are with the sales development program. And after a few years, it's like you start to see the similar patterns over and over again and, uh, and really laser focusing on them. And it kind of comes down to the big three, which is there's the people. There's the processes, and then there's the technology, um, and and it's usually one, two, or three of those is misaligned or broken in some way, and that's what you got to start to dig in on. That's really interesting that you would mention the kind of inheriting a program. I almost would think of a a consultant such as Tembound as a consigliere, or you know something that you could trust. Where in many cases, if, if they're new to the organization, they haven't developed that trust connection in the organization themselves yet. 100%. I mean, that's that's essentially what it has morphed into over the years. And now there's CMOs, especially where they go from company to company yeah. every 18 to 24 months. And, and as soon as they land at the new company, they give us a call and go, okay, you know, I've got I'm in charge of SDRs. I've got six. You know that they're they're struggling. What do I? What do we do? You know. So if you've ever read like building a story brand, we really position ourselves as we're your guide to a predictable B two B SaaS sales pipeline. I know that that's a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of words, but it's essentially like give us a call. We're your right hand person, and we'll get this all aligned and 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 done for you so you can figure out other stuff. Yeah, Donald Miller is um Donald the author. Miller, yeah. I always say brand. I always call him Dennis Miller. <laughs> um which so is the, guy, the crazy guy. Um Donald Miller 
you know, building us, we want to be your guide. Like we're not the hero at all. And, and I mean, after we get everything organized and stuff, we fade off into the distance because now you got it on point. Yeah. And, and speaking of, you know, being a guide and coming in and helping to restructure, or, you know, provide structure, what are, what are some strategies that have scaled really well, regardless of the company? What are, what are some things that kind of, you know, scale consistently well when, when you go in and consult? Yeah, absolutely. So number one is there's usually not a, a set process that, I mean, that's, that's where we see a lot of the issues coming where everyone on the team is essentially winging it. And if you think about it, a lot of SDRs are, are new to the organization. They're new to the business world. And, and we're essentially handing them the keys to the kingdom and saying, here, you come up with the content, you come up with the cold call script, you know, you come up with your daily work life. And it's even more complicated in, in a remote setting because there used to be sort of a like a bullpen, you know, environment where people could bounce ideas off of each other and, you know, learn together. Now they're like sitting at home. So and and they're having to kind of make it up as they go along. So the first thing that I would think about is, do you have a, a set playbook that everybody uh, uh, is everyone singing from the same hymnal, you know, um, as far as uh, do they know what it, an ideal day in the life looks like? Do they have enough information about the industry so that they know the vocabulary? Do they have scripts? Do they have templates that they can use? And uh, do they have everything that they need at their fingertips to be able to, to do the job to some extent and start there? Once that once you once you have the version one, you know, then it's like okay, now we can make regular iterations and and um, road test the playbook and make sure that it's helpful and useful. That's another thing that that falls off a lot with companies because the manager will leave and nobody knows who's in charge of the playbook anymore. You got to dust it off and keep uh, iterating on it. And once you kind of get that down, now you can scale and start to add people. Yeah, make sure the foundation is solid before you start building floors on the house. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, if it's it puts a lot everybody in a tough position. You know, if there's nothing, if especially if there's no manager and and um, you've hired a couple of SDRs and you're like, okay, you know, we gave them a couple of weeks of training maybe and they they have sales engagement they have data here's you know some vague idea about who they should be calling on go for it and then you know the expectations are extremely high you know so the in that scenario somebody will go back to them and be like hey you haven't set an appointment in 3 months you know what 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 happened you know and and then the person quits and anyways, I'm I like <laughs> this is the this is the worst case scenario. But if anything sounds familiar here, then you know we'll have some tips to help you out. Well, it's funny, right? Like the worst case scenario is both kind of maybe the lifeblood <laughs> of your business, as it's well as you know a challenge to be overcome, and you know a very real business situation that exists for. Anyone that's ever gone down the path of standing up and out uh, a sales development operation knows that like you can't just add water and, and success follows. It's 
multifold. I, I love what I'm hearing from from you around process and getting beyond winging it. What do you find after stage one of getting that playbook kind of in into road testing phase that that you find yourself solving for that also brings a lot of value to the clients that you serve? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, a lot of times, the especially the the manager, but even the the SDRs are they're sort of left to their own device. Even if they have a playbook and they have a regular routine that they're supposed to be following, you know, they they don't get a lot of coaching or yeah. feedback or the game tape, you know, from a sports analogy, like what watching what's working and what's not and being able to discuss it. A lot of the managers go into more of the analysis science role of just looking at the dashboards and trying to interact with marketing and, you know, doing all the stuff that's uh, fun and, and interesting versus the, the hard yards is spending one-on-one FaceTime or Zoom time with SDRs working through the process and helping them to improve their skills. And, and so, you know, it's something that we, we just found that nobody really wants to do because it's hard and it's uncomfortable and, you know, there's a lot of work involved. And so it becomes a sort of bread and butter for the 10 bound business because we, we do that for clients. And how do you help bridge communication gaps cross departmentally? So, you know, sales and marketing and account executives and SDRs, like how do you help bridge those gaps and make sure everyone's in alignment, particularly with messaging, but also with internal practices? Yeah, I mean, so so the the goal of alignment is just that it's a it's a goal, and and nobody does it perfectly. So I, I would give everybody a you know a, a pass if you can get to eighty percent or seventy five percent alignment, then you're in really good shape. You're never going to get all the way there. So the, and then the the other quick thing is it comes from the top. It has to be embraced by the senior most leadership on the go-to-market side and preached um, you know over and over again about how we're on the same team we're moving toward the same goal the strategy and tactics you know will be worked out but from from the highest level th- that has to be continuous communication because the, the again and i'm taking the worst case scenario the opposite is when you've got the the sales leader grumbling about marketing you know behind the scenes and saying bad things about the marketing team and then the marketers are doing the same about sales that's, you know. that's never happened that's so unrealistic <laughs> i mean come on that doesn't go on never. in the real world does it never not at all and it doesn't have to be like kumbaya but it's it's um professional respect and just realizing pipeline and revenue you know mm-hmm. period like <laughs> let's just the rest of the stuff is just details we we really have to be completely aligned on that and push that attitude throughout the organization. And, and, you know, last quick thing is support sales development as a critical connective tissue across the the go-to-market team and and celebrate and respect the critical role that they have to really bring this together. Boy, that's in short supply, isn't it? The appreciation for an SDR 
or SDR work, which is some of the hardest in all of business? Big time. I mean, you know, we we did the first sales development conference at the Ritz Carlton at the top of, of the hill in San Francisco. And, you know, that was a stake in the ground. This is back in 2017. And it was a stake in the ground to say, like, we're looking at this completely wrong. It's it's not an entry level position. It, it it's not like a place to cut your teeth, you know, in the sales world. It's a critical strategic function that we really have to um, master in order to be able to hit our goals. And how many board meetings have you walked into where it's like everybody's in trouble because the pipeline is so weak, and you have to explain it to these people and 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 stuff like that. So we got to get ahead of this and, and really establish sales development as a critical function in B2B um, SaaS companies. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny you touch on that because I was going to ask you what, if you were building an ideal sales development team and you have like five slots open, what are some of the skills that you're looking for? And, you know, does prior sales development experience matter or is this the type of a role that you can really level up with a few weeks of solid training and a great ramp period? Um, but, I, you know, more importantly, like what, what are some of those skills that you're looking for when building out an ideal team of sales development reps? <laughs> yeah, it's a good, really good question. So you kind of look at it in the life cycle of the company that we're talking about. So say you're a scrappy startup, just got some funding, no sales development team. In that, you need sort of the Swiss army knife, you know, of somebody who can, who can go outbound, they can follow up on inbound leads, they're conscientious, they can learn fast, and they can potentially you know, grow and, and build the, the company. So that that's a that's a really that's almost like an entrepreneurial attitude and type of person. And and really wipe away any stereotypes. It does not have to be this square jawed, you know, triple uh, A baseball player type. Not that there's anything wrong with that, um, who just graduated from college. It could be anyone who has those those capabilities, those you know traits. And now, if you go up a level and there's some establishment, we always recommend that you um, have two departments, outbound and inbound. And then the hiring profile is going to be completely different because there's such different jobs. And we don't recommend, in most cases, that you have a stair-step approach from inbound to outbound to AE. It's because the jobs are so much different, you hire specifically for those roles. And um, just briefly, outbound is going to be your typical profile of a, a hungry, driven, don't won't take no for an answer salesperson a personality that's persistent and will keep going in the face of massive rejection. Inbound, uh, more of a nurturing, relationship building, making sure that they connect the dots, making sure that people are taken care of type of personality. Be sure that you're not hiring the inbound person to do outbound or the opposite because you're just going to be in a world of hurt. Well, you'll ask people to play against type all day long, won't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, you know, and a lot of the people that, that they're trying to break into the tech industry and they don't have a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. Um, you know, they might have just graduated from college. So they're like, oh, wow, I, I want to get into sales. Like, uh, sure, I'll make 100 cold calls a day. 
you know, I'll, I'll be persistent. I'll follow up. You know, they get a couple months into the job and they're like, this is a nightmare. You know, I, I, this is not what I signed up for. Next thing you know, you just spent three months training somebody and, and they quit. Yeah. It's almost like having some sort of like high hurdle rate, high, I don't know, maybe it's disc profiling or otherwise giving homework assignments prior to hire something that would almost like dissuade candidates who don't know any better, don't even know themselves, to be honest with you, from ever even applying in the first place. Sure. I mean, and like I said, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but it took me forever to figure out who I was. I mean, I just, I'm just zeroing in on it right now. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to ask somebody to do that. And, and it's like, okay, we, we want to, we want to hire for someone who can grow with the company, can make an awesome contribution, you know, and that diamond in the rough for sure. So then maybe they do this for a couple of years and then they move into something more fitting, but some companies don't have that that luxury. They're just, they just need pipeline like yesterday. And, yeah. and we, anybody will do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and to spend, you know, all that time and energy to hire someone and get them trained and onboarded and all, all set up. And then they're gone in, you know, three to six months, it's just a huge expense. So you just got to be exactly, you got to be careful, hire slow yeah. and, you know, make determinations fast uh, yeah or the inverse of that happens too i feel like you know sales development representatives if they go the other direction and they really hone in on their craft they start to know too much and they're able to answer too many of the questions on the calls and they're you know they, they get kind of hungry to take that next step um but you yeah. know speaking of, speaking of prep for sdr roles is there anything that you'd particularly suggest to folks right now listening to the podcast who are looking to get into sales development or looking for their next sales development gig by way of like certifications or, you know, some skills that they can sharpen their saw on, so to speak, prior to interviews? Oh, yeah. I mean, I get into multi-level marketing, you know, and don't don't spend too much money, but you know, Cutco knives or or Avon or whatever it is that you're passionate about. A lot of nutritional things, and um, and just go out and try to sell it, um, whatever it takes. You know, and and try to go out and and sell actual products to people that are going to turn over their money to you, and see how it feels and see how you feel, and uh, if it's motivating and exciting and you're really passionate about the product. And you, you know, especially we recommend hardly anybody does this, but uh, you look for those multi-level marketing companies on their resume. And if they hit like president's club or, you know, diamond club and stuff like that, because they all have that, that's somebody who really could make a difference at your company because um, they know what it's like to sell. They know what it's like to deal with rejection and, and, and be passionate and uh, they've proved it. So that's what I would recommend. Go out and do it. Uh, make sure that you are, you, you don't want to like, <laughs> you know, every day. Um, and, and then if you really like it, then yeah. I mean, the sky's the limit for somebody like that. Yeah. Having to give that chapter and verse to people before taking on an SDR role is such the, the problem in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, because you have to feel it. And 
it's got to come from deep inside your bones, you know, especially because if you think about it, it's like you, you might be at home, you know, and you have to make 100 cold calls a day. You're only getting a, you know, a 5% response rate that you're going to be under tremendous pressure to succeed. It's serious business, you know, and you want to go in with your eyes wide open um, when you take the job. Well, and you know, the other thing that I've always felt, sorry, I'm going to go to a sports analogy here since we've already done a few. You know, I, I played baseball growing up and through college. And one of the things that I think is really poorly understood when watching the sport is it's a sport of failure. And the people that don't know that haven't played the game and don't really understand it that well at all. And and I think of sales development in the exact same way, right? Like it's, like you said, it's dealing with 5%, which would imply 95% unsuccess rate. <laughs> you know what I mean? With with a normal kind of like connection cycle or success cycle or, you know, how many of these conversations turned into something more than just that. Ultimately, do you think that it's because it's so hard to orient around failure and around the the small moves or the incremental, you know, conversion rate improvements, if you will, that has us really not really understanding sales development at all? Yeah, I mean, I, we're fighting against you know 18 years of of education that's ingrained in in all of us really, where failure is bad. Yeah, failure is punished. If you fail on anything, you know, you're you're a loser. You know, and and so it's deeply ingrained in 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 everybody's psyche. And then you get out of school and and you get plunked into this job where. 95% of it is failure every day. I mean, and and so it's a really good analogy to think about baseball because that's got to feel bad if you, you're not framing it in a way that is actually, it's successful to fail, to fail. <laughs> you know, you want to hear the no's so that you can kind of sift through those and, and get to the yes. It's not for everybody, you know, and, and that's why, a lot of people, you know, are miserable as as SDRs. They're not framing it that way. They're they're getting into it under the wrong assumptions and uh, finding themselves in the role. So, bright side, if you're listening to this, hey, it's it's good to you're honing your skills. You're becoming better at sales. You're you're able to handle more rejection. The more rejection that you have in life in general the more successful you're going to be because you're doing big things and you're getting shot down. So I don't want to turn everybody off, but <laughs> I just want to go in realistically. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, you know, pivoting a little, I don't have a sports analogy for you, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, pivoting to oh, your wow. experience. <laughs> I'm an actor. I'm not a sports person. So, uh, you know, so it, it seems like you sequentially moved up throughout your career, right? Starting as a sales rep and, and moving up and taking on leadership roles, more senior leadership roles, director roles. So why the switch to owning your own company and, and being a CEO? What what prompted that? Oh, my God. Starvation. <laughs> that's that's really funny because and somebody mentioned this on another thing. Each of the jobs got shorter in duration until I started my own company. And I, I think what <laughs> there's a few things is uh, a lot of it was ego, really, in, in 
like being so into my own ideas and my own vision and and what I thought was right to do. Progressively losing the ability to deal with anybody who didn't see that and and agree. And and so um, I had been like a wantrepreneur for uh, probably 10 plus years, which is like, listening to all the podcasts and reading all the books and stuff like that about starting companies. But uh, once you get the the golden handcuffs and you start a family and you got mortgages and cars and all these things, then it becomes harder and harder. So finally, I got into a situation where I won't go into the details, but I just left one day and, um, and I needed to eat, right? So a friend of mine was starting an SDR organization and um, he needed help. And I started doing some consulting, writing a playbook, helping him to hire. And uh, it just kind of grew organically from there. Tell me about some of this vision and, and ego. I, I actually do want the details. And I, I want to know what are some of the, the things that you've clashed hardest around belief systems, especially as related to sales development with folks that maybe saw another perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're diving into is is not the dogmatic, you know, approach that most people have to sales development. So I, I, I've got my experience and blend of what I've seen be successful. And um, I, I'm very passionate about these issues. So, yeah. um, and especially, and it's been a while now. I mean, I've been doing this for over five years, but as I was learning more and becoming more skilled in leading sales development teams, um, I would run up against, I mean, let's face it, dinosaurs. There's a lot of dinosaurs out there who came up through the meat grinder of like Oracle and and no offense you know, to anybody, but PTC and those those kind of companies where it's just it was smile and dial, you know, hire and fire, like get them out of here, you know, and and um My my thought process is it's much more nuanced and more difficult to to run a highly successful sales development program. And it's not as simple as it used to be, you know, 25 years ago when uh, these people were coming up, you know, in the business. So things have changed, though. I mean, just since I've been doing this, there's a whole new generation of people who were SDRs became SDR directors. Now they're CMOs and VPs of sales and they get sales development in the modern context yeah. and um, are crushing it. And so it's changing. But um, I can't remember what the question was, but in those days, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of dinosaurs. And so I yeah, butt yeah. heads with people and, you know, I'm very easygoing, you know, friendly guy, but, you know, internally I'm like, guy's an idiot you know so you know after a while it's like all right i gotta start my own thing then i'll be the only idiot in the room and (laughs) people will have to deal with me i was gonna ask what's it like being a ceo but you've explained it very well i (laughs) oh it's it's i mean oh god how much time do we have um we'll do another (laughs) podcast um part two (laughs) i mean i i think elon musk said it best where it's uh you know staring into the abyss and eating glass or something like that it's very true there's a lot of sleepless nights and it's um really hard but 
you know, the, the vision thing, you know, you can actually um, work on, which is great. I'd love to go back a click or two, you know, something you said earlier really kind of stuck out and that was about, you know, coaching and one-on-one and -on -one sessions and, and the, that being kind of the hard yards, if you will. And as someone who, you know, you mentioned that that's the bread and butter for 10 bound, what are the hallmarks of really good coaching? What are the like situations or things that you look for in those circumstances that you look to create either types of coaching you do, the way you structure a one-on-one, -on -one, the kinds of um, things that you're looking for in, in game tape, if you will. What, what are some kind of like deep in the dyed in the wool insights for from 10 bound along those lines? Yeah. Well, it, it, a lot of it comes down to valuing the, the coaching on the part of the manager or the director who's ever going to be doing the coaching and not winging it. That, that's what we see over and over again in companies that are that are struggling that the you're winging it from week to week it's just a thing that pops up on your calendar and now I got to do an hour with this person so they get on and it's it's how you doing Joe I'm, I'm how you doing there Bob you know <laughs> and there's there's not there's not a, a structured agenda that's building week after week toward an ideal outcome. And, and so thing number one is my friend and that we use, and he's got a, a great tool. It, it, there's a lot of tools out there, but the, some kind of structured coaching tool that you're both looking at each week and, and you're coming on with uh, how the, 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 the practice went during the week, things that they're struggling with. And, and then things that they can continue to work on and then homework for the next week. It's really as simple as that, ensuring that it's building on each other week after week versus uh, discrete you know, meetings. Yeah, that makes total sense. And coaching around behaviors, right? Focusing on behaviors and ideal patterns and trends rather than hammering down on on metrics, you know, I think kind of goes along with that nicely. But what, you know, I guess speaking of that, like what are some coaching moments or uh, you know, specific metrics to look at to then coach behaviors around? Like what what are some of those metrics that you should be as a manager or coach hyper focused on making sure that you're you know, noticing week by week. Yeah, and so there, there's still a numbers game component to this, and and because you have to start with something, right? So first and foremost, and the, usually the companies are pretty good about this. There has to be some kind of tracking mechanism on the activities that the the SDRs are doing, and and then a, a standard that you're looking for, and it, you know it doesn't have to be a hundred calls a day, but just you know there's got to be some sort of ways to way to track the initial activity metrics and then understanding how they're converting to meetings and pipeline and and so th those are the first place to start for some industries it could be a hundred a day converting down to one meeting it could be 20 it could be 10 you've got to start somewhere and and then so once you have that leveled playing field then okay there we're then we're just honing in on the conversion rates how are these activities converting to actual results? And, and you know, week after week, whoever it is, even if it's the most successful SDR, there's going to be one to two conversion rates that need help. And, and those are what you can really laser in on during the coaching sessions. 
What's the most effective uh, sales development team you've ever worked with? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I, I think of um, GitLab. And I don't know if I can name names on here, but <laughs> GitLab. Well, this is the positive. This is not like calling people out. This like is good. That yeah. Angered GitLab, you before. GitLab was amazing because um, first and foremost, they had a, a senior marketing leader who was running sales development. And, you know, again, going against the dogma, I, I think that in most cases, sales development should report to marketing, which in most cases they don't, but that's another whole thing. So the senior marketing leader... I agree, by the way. Thank you. That's uh, <laughs> why so I love coming on the show. We're running it, he had a deep understanding of sales development. He had run it in the past. He understood at a high level what some of the issues were. And they were about five years ahead of a fully remote environment before COVID. And they had never had a headquarters. It, they had always been fully remote since day one. And back then that was really weird, but they had ironed out the best practices that are just a standard today. And so, you know, we really, they, they had figured out strategy. They had a good playbook. They needed some help with onboarding and coaching and training as they brought up their middle management layer. And, uh, and they had figured out remote. So, you know, all those being said, um, I haven't really been tracking how the company's doing, but, but um, I believe that they're very successful. And a lot of it has to do with how they run their SDR team. So that's really interesting because you you bring up the idea correlated with their success was that they were ahead of the curve on something that frankly the rest of the world had to follow suit on. If you were to kind of like, and I'm I'm asking you to throw a little spaghetti against the wall here, but if you were to speculate on what the most successful kind of like trends to jump on in sales development landia going forward, what where would you place your bets? Yeah, I mean, one thing to look at from a technology perspective is there's a, a a crop of technology that's coming up right now that analyzes your email messaging. And it's almost like Grammarly, if you use Grammarly. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's built in and it's looking at how you're using language and in connect connection with AI. And it's suggesting proactively um, language tweaks that, that are based on data could increase your conversion rates. I won't give away any, it's, it's, it's a quadrant that we're following. And but it's, it's like, just for the listeners, it, I mean, it's, it's firms like the Lavenders of the World or Warmer or Reggie.ai, those types of, of companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would really, I mean, we're really tracking that space because we live in text, right? Yeah. It's a huge part of the sales development process now. And there have been companies that have tried to do it over the phone and analyzing the, the obviously, you know, people are familiar with those, but this technology is definitely one to watch. Yeah. Shameless plug for our, for our listeners. Go back and listen to the Will Allred episode if you want to hear more about uh, some of this some of this cool technology. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> and just going back real quick to GitLab, um, why, you know, the, another, and this is a shameless plug. One of the reasons that they were successful is that they were struggling in new markets and they didn't have a, a set playbook and an internal SDR team. And so they they outsourced um, and, and got a, a foothold in the market, started to develop it, and then ran parallel with an in-house team. I always, as some of the top 
um, sales development organizations that, that we work with and, and are known in the industry, they have parallel tracks where they've got one to more outsourced SDR agencies running in parallel with their in-house. And the end result is a greater pipeline and, and sales funnel. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I mean, no of any good seen, ones. Uh, yeah. Well, it, I mean, full disclosure that that's something we see at Science all the time. And I'd be lying if I said that, you know, a portion of our churn rate wasn't directly related to kind of a self fulfilling prophecy, which is, hey, when when Science was hired, we said all along, and I'm mimicking the voice of our customers. We said all along we're going to build in-house right at the same time that we hired you. And what we want out of you is to learn best practices. We want to see how you would attack kind of like markets on our behalf. We're going to set up swim lanes that are really non-competitive or non-stepping um, on each other's toes. Sorry to mix metaphors. But like you get the idea where that exact theory plays itself out very regularly in our, our own sales cycles all the time. So it seems smart to me. Yeah. And I, I would challenge those, those clients to say the big picture is your goal to build pipeline, predictable, regular pipeline. So you can walk into the board meeting confident quarter after quarter, or is your goal to build an in-house, you know, farm team and give people an opportunity to build their career and stuff like that, which is great. Most want both, right? So I would run them parallel yeah. um, as long as you're getting great results from the uh, agency and um, keep it going. They're not mutually exclusive for sure. Yeah. Although the budgets may be very limited yeah. <laughs> where forced choices are, you know, become the rule of the day, but that's a yes. topic for another podcast. Um, one of the things that I would love to, to kind of pivot to as we kind of, oh my gosh, we've talked for like, where did the time go is I'd love for kind of audience listeners out there to be able to find more information. I mean, you're such a great resource with 10 bound and all the things that you're up to, especially your vir virtual events series. Maybe you could tell folks a little bit more about that and how they can connect. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I think thing number one is definitely jump on the newsletter and we update it regularly and, and all the different resources are in there. It's absolutely free and you know, it's it's enough to kind of do it yourself. If you're trying to figure out some of this stuff, you'll get the tips and techniques and 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 definitely one of the things on there is we've got these uh, virtual events that are free and coming up with the top leaders of sales development and, and just go to market in general, sharing their, their best practices. And, and another great place to start. Jump on there and you know let's work on this together. Well, Double D, David Delaney, um, <laughs> great discussion, kind of as expected as always. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to work with you guys more on this. So let's do it again. Love yes, it. part two. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on. <laughs> Yeah.